I just want to thank you for coming. I thank you for being part of what God is doing. I know that uh, some of you are here to support, and uh, I say thank you for your effort, and uh, I believe that I'm absolutely convinced that your effort will not be in vain, because in due time we are going to see what God has in store for us as uh, people continue to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, like we said last week, uh, I, I started a series on the blessing is in the covenant. I think this is so important that uh, every believer understands the blessing in the covenant. Because if we don't know the blessing in the covenant, we will have a problem. And I think I've brought up a wrong uh, PowerPoint presentation here. You'll excuse me as I continue. Uh, it is very important as believers that, we, that we, we understand the covenant, the blessing in the covenant, because God is a God of covenants, and he works with covenants. And if you don't understand the covenants of God, you will be confused. And God will never do things outside his covenant, because a covenant is a special arrangement that God has prepared for us so that we can relate with him. And so this series is going to help us that we can understand what God is doing and saying in our lives. And it is an opportunity for us that we can engage with God without fear and without intimidation. And so the blessing is in the covenant. And there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22. It says that the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And I'm sure you are familiar with, uh, with that scripture. But sometimes we just wonder, the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich without adding any sorrow. But how come there is sorrow in my life? And how come I'm not able to really engage with God and the blessing of God that he has for me? But I believe that this series is going to help us in that respect. And this series is also going to help us to be able to, to read the Bible. I know we read the Bible, but there's a way in which God uh, has written the Bible because the Bible has not been... The whole Bible is the truth of the Word of God, right? It is inspired of God. But not every word in there is for you. There is truth that is for the Jews, there is truth that is for the church, and there is truth that is for non-believers. And so it is very important to know the kind of truth that you are holding on to, the kind of truth that you are believing God for, and as we move on like that, you will find that you are able to understand what the Bible is saying to us. So this, in a sense, it is like a, a big picture of understanding it's almost like a framework. It's like you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are playing a puzzle. And when you are a puzzle, or yeah, a puzzle. And if there are certain key pieces that have got to be in place for you to be able to make the story. And until you get those key pieces in place, it is not easy. You may be going round and round in circles and you get confused and you get confused. But I believe that when we are talking of understanding the covenants and that the blessing is in the covenant, it helps us that we can really, really understand the word of God and get connected. And one of the things that has messed many of us, it is the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament picture, 
it gives a picture where God is judging people, God is angry, God brings instant punishment, God curses, there's guilt, there's condemnation, there's death, whatever. And you begin to wonder, I don't know what is going to happen next in my life. And as a result, you live a life of fear, not knowing, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I doing the wrong thing? What, what is going to happen tomorrow? And what is going to happen here? And what is going to happen there? And yet God is so predictable. I think it was, in, it was last, last, last week in the introduction that I was talking about how one of the words that the word, word is used is statutes, which come from the word statue. In other words, God is predictable. And as a church, we need to get to a point where we know that God is predictable. He will say what he says and he will deliver what he promised to deliver. If we do what the Bible says, we will get what the Bible promises. And that's the faithfulness of God. And so this Old Testament picture, it just creates a lot of confusion. And I believe that what we need to do as a church, and I'm laying this foundation really to help us to build on, is we need to rightly divide the word of truth. It's so important to rightly divide the word of truth because 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I know some of you may say, well, if it's truth, can we wrongly divide it? And can we rightly divide it? But if Paul is uh, reminding his, uh, his uh, son in the faith that you need to rightly divide the word of truth, it means it is possible to wrongly divide it. And I can say, it says, it says, it's, I'm sorry to say this, but in many places every Sunday, the word of God is being wrongly divided. But in this church, we want you to know what the word of God says, and you need to know so that when you receive the word of God, you know that this is for me. And what is not for you, you just say, this is not for me, and you leave it. We don't want to be confused. We need to be rightly dividing the word of God. And so what are we saying? What we're saying is rightly dividing the word of truth about covenants will set you free for life. It will set you free. I can guarantee you this because what we are going to unpack in this series, it is something that is going to shock you because we will be talking about how God deal, dealt or deals with sin, how God deals with the blessing of God, how God reveals himself. And these are things that we deal with on a daily basis. And until we know this, how can we walk in the power of God? How can we flow in the power of God if you don't know how God moves? If you don't know when God is willing to move? There is no way we're going to do that. But we need to understand all this in the name of Jesus. So when we are talking of understanding covenants, I just want to I, I give a very simple definition of covenant. A covenant is God's way of relating with us and assuring us of his commitment to love us and to care for us. God has never had in his mind punishing you or punishing me. God has always been thinking of loving us and blessing us and enjoying fellowship with us, which is why in his generosity, God gave this whole world to one man and his family, Adam. That's how generous God is. 
God is not mean. God is not withholding anything. God is releasing his blessing. God, God delights in blessing us. Not withholding at all. That's his nature. His nature is grace and mercy and love. Period. But because sin came in here to deal with sin, but many people think that God deals with sin by dealing with us. No. God deals with sin as sin. And God loves us because we are his children. And all this is wrapped up in covenant. And so a covenant, it shows us or reveals of God's nature. I'm sure you will agree with me that the people that you relate with, you will be open to the extent that you know them. In other words, relationship is based on knowledge. If you know me, you will be more open to me. But if you meet me once, you will be a bit more careful, isn't it? What to say and what not to say. You can just you know, limit the conversation to the weather and maybe possibly politics or, or things like that. But you, you will not go into the details about what's happening in your marriage or what's happening with your firstborn child or things like that. Why? Because you don't know me. And many believers, they are struggling to relate with God because they don't know God. But God reveals himself through the covenants. And when you get to know who God is, you will open up. I tell you, you will open up, you'll, you'll do everything that you can do because you'll realize that he's a good God. In him there is no shadow of variation. He's the father of light. We also understand that covenants, they release the provision of God, the blessing of God. It's an avenue that God wants to release blessing in our lives. Covenant shows the grace of God, the love of God, and the mercies of God. And also that God's word is binding. And God is committed himself to his word. That's why, in fact, all of God's covenants are blood covenants. In other words, he's, in a sense, he's literally saying that, look, if I break my word, kill me. But God cannot be killed because God cannot die. So he is helping us. Why is God going to all the extent of making a covenant with us? For the simple reason that when sin came, it messed us up. Fear came in, anxiety came in, worry came in, doubt came in. And so God is to reassure us now and say, guys, I know you have sinned, but I love you. But you think I'm, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Let us write an agreement so that you will know that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that is a covenant. But if you know the covenant of God, but you relate with him otherwise, then you are going to miss it. But if you go to God on the basis of his covenant, I tell you, you will get what he promised that you will deliver. That's why you find scriptures like uh, Psalms 89 verse 34. It says, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my mouth. This is God. He's saying, my covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. In other words, God will not go against his covenant. So you better know God's covenant. You better know the covenant that you are living in right now and apply the principles and stay within the guidelines of that covenant and you will be walking in the blessing of God. Or rather the blessing of God will just be flowing your way. Because God has already done it in Jesus Christ. But if you are going to God according to your own terms, when he has got a covenant, 
You may cry as much as you like, but he's not going to do it. Why? Because he tells us in Psalms 138 verse 2 that you have magnified your word above your name. In other words, God will not break his word for the sake of his name. So if God cannot change for the sake of his name, there is no way he is going to change for your sake. You might as well line up. Amen. And, and it's not how much we cry, it's not how much passionate we are, but we may be so zealous, but if it's in error, it is zealous that is in error, and it will not benefit us. And that's, the, that's one of the core reasons of much frustration we find in the church right now, and maybe in some of your lives now, because you don't even know the covenant in which you are, and what it means, and what God has done on that part. Because a covenant, it involves two people, or two sides, and there is a commitment that, you know, we will do this and you will do that. And as long as that covenant, co covenant is in effect, you will enjoy and reap the benefits of the covenant. So, we said, understanding the covenants, we said uh, last week that there are three covenants. The first covenant is the covenant that God made with Abraham. This, there are many other covenants like uh, no covenant with Noah, covenant with David, and so on and so forth. But these have got an overarching effect. In other words, it impacts your everyday life. The covenant with Abraham, this was before the law. Uh, you can put it this way that the 6,000 years from creation, you can divide it into three slots of 2,000 years, 2,000 years, 2,000 years. The first 2,000 years was before the law. The second 2,000 years was during the law. And approximately another 2,000 years that we are in now, it is after the law. And these define the covenants or ways in which God was relating with people. The way God was relating with people before the law is different from the way God was relating with people during the law. And it's different from the way God was relating with people after the law. And if you don't know that, you will be confused. And you will think that God is changing. When in fact God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So before the law of Moses, God had a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant was based on birth. In other words, if you are born of Abraham, you are blessed. It doesn't matter your lifestyle. Which is why Abraham lied and he was blessed. Isaac lied, he was blessed. Jacob lied, he was living a lie, he was blessed. Cain killed his brother, but he was not sentenced to death. And if you don't know what's going on, you will be confused. But you need to understand that the focus, the covenant that was in place, it was a covenant that was based on death. Now, this covenant is very interesting because it's unconditional. It was an unconditional promise. Abraham was a heathen. He didn't love God. He didn't even know God. He was busy worshipping his own gods. And God came and he picked him up from the air of the Chaldee and said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your, all your relatives. And I'll take you to a land that I will I'll give you. And I'll bless you. And I'll make your name great. And your descendants shall be great. He had not done anything to deserve that. Are we together? That is called grace. Grace has nothing to do with what you do. 
Grace is what God does independent of us. Now, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, that response to the grace of God is what is called faith. Faith is just a positive response to the grace of God. So it was unconditional, which shows that when God was dealing with man, he was not trying to demand a lot out of people. All he wants from you is a yes. God says, I've blessed you. You say, yes, I'm blessed. Don't begin to say, oh, but have you seen where I come from? Have you seen my family? Have you seen what I did last week? Have you... No, it's not about that. It is about God doing something new in our lives. The second covenant is the covenant with Moses. And uh, the key scripture there that is beautiful is uh, Deuteronomy 28. Because during the law, the covenant or the blessing was based on behavior. Blessed was conditional to individual obedience. If you are obedient, you are blessed. If you are not obedient, you either have to offer a sacrifice or you are cursed and you will be judged. It had, something had changed and we are going to look at that uh, as, as, as we go on in this series. But it was based on behavior. Because these are people that were born by Abraham, but now God is saying, now I want behavior. It's no longer just birth. That's why when Jesus was talking with the Pharisees, they were saying, ah, you say you're older than our father. You, you were just born a couple of years ago. And Jesus was saying, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the right thing. You would know me. But because your ways have gone out of way, they've gone out of whack. Why? Because the covenant now, it was based on behavior. And if you don't get that right, you may still struggling, focusing on your behavior, thinking your behavior will release the blessing of God. That would happen in this covenant of Moses. But I might as well add that even in that covenant, behavior was not working very well. Because James chapter 2 verse 10 says, if you do everything right and miss in one thing, you have messed up on everything. So the law had a different purpose than triggering a blessing. Are we together? The third covenant that we are going to look at is the covenant by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace are you saved through faith. It's, it's not of works. It's a gift of God. It's not of works so that nobody can boast. This is the covenant that we live in. Which is, that's why even our church is called Grace Through Faith. Because it is by grace through faith. We want people to know that we are a people who understand the covenant of God. Who understand how God deals with people. How God blesses people. And how God works and relates with us. It is by grace through faith. Because this covenant of grace is based on belief. If you believe Jesus, you are blessed. It's not about your birth, it's not about your behavior, because the conditions are Jesus' obedience. And Jesus was obedient to the last. And because he ticked all the boxes now, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are blessed. 
If you believe in Jesus, you are blessed. It has nothing to do with argument. Now, if you don't understand Moses' covenant and Abraham's covenant and how they worked, you will now be messed up when you're supposed to be rejoicing every day. You're woke, you're sleeping in frustration, you're wondering what's going to happen. Am I going to be fired? Am I going to be this? When in fact, you're so blessed. You are blessed beyond measure in the name of Jesus. Amen. You and I are in the covenant of grace. And it is by grace through faith and not of works. Works is what was happening in the time of Moses. But now in the time of Jesus, it is grace. It is grace, nothing but grace. And our part is to respond to what God has done. Hallelujah. Now, you may want to ask, why did God introduce covenants? I'm in no hurry to finish this series. What I want is that we understand. Amen. So don't, don't feel like, oh, like, get to the real thing. What about sin? We'll get there. We will get there and you'll be blessed. We want to know, why did God introduce covenants? Like I said, sin, it brought fear. It brought anxiety. It brought worry and failure and death. So God had to reassure us of his unfailing love. Yes, you have sinned, but I love you, says God. Yes, you have messed up, but I love you. Yes, you have done this, but God says, I love you. We read it in the Bible, Romans, Romans chapter 5 from verse uh, 8 and 9. Whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that, isn't it? But much more now. If God loved you so much that he died for you when you were still a sinner, how much more now that you're a child of God? But I can tell you in many places you are told that God loves you less because you didn't give your tithes. God loves you less because you were late for church. God loves you less because you didn't make a, a pledge. God loves you less because you didn't have devotion. That's contrary to the word of God. If he loved you when you had done nothing, do you think what you do is going to reverse what, he, what his love for you? No. He actually loves us much more. And this is the covenant we are talking about. So God is not up to punishing us. Genesis chapter 3 verses 22 to 24. It's a very powerful scripture. Uh, because some people use it. But I think we need to understand that uh, this was when God was driving Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Because... Uh, of what had happened. And I'm sure you've heard this teaching that God drove them out of the Garden of Eden as punishment because they had disobeyed God. But that's not it. That's not the word of God. It says, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now let us, let us put out of his hand and take also of the tree, lest he put out his hand and take also or partake also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he had taken. So he drove the man out and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned everywhere to guard the way of the tree of life. Why did God drive these people out of the garden of Eden? He drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden so that they would not eat the tree of life. It was not punishment. Because if they ate the tree of life, what it meant is that man was not going to die. And man was going to live in sin forever. 
the consequences of sin would be with us forever because he would not die. So it was an act of mercy for God to drive these guys out so that there would be hope. So when you look at that now, physical death is a blessing. Because there is hope now. You enter into eternal life where you live forever without sin, without pain, without crying, without frustration, and, uh, and so on and so on and so forth. Just imagine. We don't even have to go very far. If all the people that have messed your life and messed your family were alive and they were not going to die, you'll be seeing them every day. How much pain is it going to be? You know them, they abused you, they took advantage of you, and you know that you'll always be remembering this and nothing's going to happen. It was, not, it, was going to be a way, it was going to be terrible. And God prevented that. And how did he prevent it? By driving Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. He already had a solution anyway in Genesis 3.15 because the seed of a woman was going to crush the head of the serpent and he was going to bring restoration. So God introduced the covenant because of sin to restore hope in people in Jesus' name. Now we're going to look at the covenant with Abraham. That's what we'll cover today. And then uh, next week we're going to look at the covenant with, with Moses and so on and so forth. This is just to understand why God had a covenant with Abraham. There are a number of reasons. Number one, it was to set the stage for the coming of the Savior, of Jesus Christ. I don't know whether when you are reading the story of Abraham you think of Jesus. But actually you should. Because when you go to scriptures like Genesis chapter 3.15... And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his feet. We know that the seed comes from a man, not from a woman. But here, God is saying it is the seed of a woman. How can that be? The seed of a woman is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, the seed which brought Jesus was the word of God. But in physical terms, it was Mary who gave birth to Jesus. So it's a seed of a woman. He was not a seed of Joseph. That's why it's saying the seed of a woman. So immediately now you see that when sin came in, God had a plan to deal with sin. The seed of a woman, which is Jesus Christ. Because... Abraham did not deserve to be called. But when he was called now, if you read, you'll find that the Bible is saying in verse 18 there, let's read from verse, uh, verse, uh, verse, verse 18. It should be Genesis, uh, this should be Genesis, not Genesis 12. I think it should be Genesis uh, 17, from verse 17. Blessing in, no, Genesis 22. This is after, G, after Abraham had sacrificed his son Isaac and God said, you have done well. And then he brought the, the ram that was caught in the thickets. And it says, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Then verse 18, in your seed... All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelled in Beersheba. 
And here you see that God is saying, and to your seed. Are we together? Now, when we now see the revelation of it now, rightly dividing the word of truth in Genesis, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul is giving us an understanding of what was going on. And he says from verse 15, Dear brothers and sisters, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, which is covenant, so it is the case. God gave the promise to Abraham and his child, that's the seed. And notice that the scriptures doesn't say to his children or to his seeds as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child's seed, and that, of course, means Christ. Paul had a revelation that when God was talking to Abraham about the seed, he was talking about Jesus Christ. The covenant of Abraham had nothing to do with Abraham per se. It had all to do with Jesus who was going to come. But God had to start somewhere. Hallelujah. And because sin had not been paid for, all he could do was to bring it as a promise that was going to be fulfilled in the future. So the coming of Jesus Christ was now to ratify, if you like, the promise or the commitment that God had made to Abraham in this case. And I really like verse, uh, verse 17, it says, that is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. In other words, the law of Moses cannot cancel the promise that God made with Abraham because that is what happened first. Which then means, if you like, how did God deal with Abraham? By grace through faith. So the law did not come to cancel grace through faith. Hallelujah. It means we still have got to relate with God by responding to what he provides. Nothing to do with the law. But if we factor in and bring in the law of Moses now, we are trying to cancel what the word of God is saying. It is not possible to cancel. So what it means is that all, all this, if I may use the word... Uh, all these things that you are just loading on yourself, I must do this, I must do that for God to bless me, I must do that and I must do this other thing, you are wasting your time. Because in fact, if you keep going, I, I encourage you to read Galatians 3 today. You'll be blessed. Because it goes on to talk about how we are like Isaac, the children of promise, the sons of promise. We are not like, uh, like Ishmael, which was the works. We are of promise. We are of Isaac. We are therefore children of Abraham by faith because it is all by promise. God would be breaking his promise, but God does not break the word that proceeds out of his mouth. Hallelujah. I really like this. This helps me because you remember one of our uh, values as a church uh, in terms of... Uh, change of mindset because we strongly believe that the problem we have as believers is that our thinking is wrong and it needs to change 
And one of the things is we need to believe that the word of God is accurate. It is absolute and it is unchanging. If you rightly divide it, you find that it is very consistent. And here is a case in point where Paul is playing with one letter in the word. Seeds, not seeds. That's how accurate the word of God is. It can be so accurate to letters. Hallelujah. But some people, they write off the entire paragraph. And say, well, this is not the God. Oh, this is not that. No, the word of God is so accurate. And he goes on to say, verse 18, For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promises. Ha! It can't be any clearer than that. If you are inheriting from Jesus Christ, you are inheriting a promise that was given to Abraham. And therefore, it is not about you working to get it. It's you believing that it is yours. We know that inheritance... You don't work for inheritance. Hey, Some of us are working very hard for our children, isn't it? Meanwhile, they are busy doing whatever they want. But they know that at the end of the day, when they are getting the inheritance, they are not going to start working for it to make up for lost time. They'll just say, oh, thank you, my dad was a good dad. Oh, thank you, my mom was a good And they just start using it. Inheritance, it is just received with thanksgiving and you start enjoying Hallelujah. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. What are we saying? Covenant of law was never meant to release God's blessing. You need to hear this. Your obeying the law is not the qualification to release the blessing of God. That was in the covenant of Moses. That was during the law. And this is going to free you now. Because every day, I know some of you, every day before you go to sleep, whilst you're lying in bed, you know, because you've caught some psalms which talks about, you know, counting your sins and so on and so forth, and begin to say, what did I do wrong today? You start listing them. Hey, I did this, I didn't talk nicely to my workmate. Yeah, I was a bit rough to my child. Oh, yes, I did this, I did that. Then you list them and then you say, Lord, forgive me all these sins and even the sins that I, I, I don't know. We do that, don't we? That is performance. If the promise was coming according to our activities, it would not be a promise. If you want Abraham's blessing, you receive it by faith, because he received it as a promise by faith. Are we together? And then God's covenant with Abraham. We said so, number one. We said uh, point number one there is that... um, What are we saying? Am I going up or I'm going down? Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're saying Abraham's covenant, number one, it was to set the stage for the coming of the Savior, right? Abraham's covenant was a redemptive stage. It's like God was setting a stage. He was saying, look on this stage, Jesus is going to be crucified. And when he's crucified, you're going to get that, you're going to get that, you're going to get that, you're going to get that. And these were the promises that we have in Christ Jesus. And we have looked at that. The second reason was, uh, the second point was that, Abraham's covenant was 
a veiled picture of God's promises for you. You see, because the veil was not yet torn in the curtain, in, in the, the curtain in, in, in the temple. It was not yet torn. So the way to God was not yet open. And so God had to make promises. So it was a veiled picture. And the reality is in Jesus Christ. These are promises for you. That's why when you read scriptures like Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14, it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, the blessing of Abraham will come upon us in Christ Jesus. The covenant that we have in Christ Jesus qualifies us to be partakers of Abraham's promises. You can see that there is no work that is involved there. It is just believing and receiving in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We also know that faith in Christ connects us to the promises and the blessings of God. Another scripture which is also very interesting is Romans chapter 4 verses 3 to 5. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Then verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace but as debt. Did you get that? To him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. In other words, if you work and you do this and you do that and the other, what is going to happen is, you will say to God, I've been giving my tithes, I've been attending church every Sunday, I've been serving... I even uh, was there when they started the church, working very hard. Very few people of us were doing everything. Now I've done all this, God. So bless me. That is work. It's not grace. Now, God does not owe anybody anything. Are we together? God does not owe anybody anything. Because God is God, whether we are there or we are not there. God is God, whether we serve him or we don't serve him. Whether we worship him or we don't worship him. And God does not want anybody to come on the last day and say, but God, I did this and you did not do that. No, that is why whatever we get from God, it is by grace. It is all by grace. It has nothing to do with our works. And God is simply saying that if you are working very hard to be blessed by God, that is debt. It is not grace. And God is not in it. Hallelujah. What you need is to put faith in a Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. So we see that the covenant of Abraham, it was a veil promise of God, a veiled picture of God's promises towards us. So when you are reading Abraham now, you need to see Jesus. All these things that was happening, you just say, ah yes, this was happening because Jesus was not yet there, but now Jesus is here, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine, in Jesus' name. So what are we saying? We are simply saying, it's Jesus and only Jesus. The curse was broken. We claim Abraham's blessing. 
It is the blessing in your covenant in Jesus' name. This is how you connect the, the covenant of Abraham with the covenant that you are in Christ Jesus right now. All that God promised Abraham, it is now yours. And Abraham becomes a physical picture to understand how the blessing of God manifests in your life. And I can, I can assure you, if you read, I think it's Genesis 24, Abraham was very rich. He had gold. He had servants. He had maids. In fact, the Bible says he had 318 men that were trained in his house. These are the men that he used to go and fight and defeat those five kings. We had taken lot. He was not a weak person. He was somebody, he was, he was almost like a, a, a chieftain. We, we had lots of stuff. Abraham was blessed. And the Bible says, Abraham's blessings are yours. But you don't receive them by trying to work. You receive them by faith because they are a promise. Are we together? We're going to pray as we close. As we pray right now, I just want to encourage you to understand that God is a God of covenant. And he keeps his covenant. And the way he was dealing with people in the different dispensations, it was a reflection of how he was bringing to pass the redemption story. And in all these, these covenants, they are pointing to Jesus. The promises they are pointing to Jesus. As you will see next week, that when all this was happening, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. Your coming to Christ was not by accident. Your coming, to, your coming in this world, it was not by accident. As he's as always said, some people, you come because out of a rap or, you know, whatever, whatever, you were, not, you were not expected. It was an accident. That's what people say. But God knew you by name. Way, way, way before the foundations of the earth. And this for me is encouraging. Because if God knew me before the foundations of the earth, it means whatever has happened in my life, good or bad, it is not going to affect my destiny. I can still get there if I choose to line up with God, if I choose to agree with his covenant. This is revealing. And this is refreshing. In other words, there is hope in you. There is hope for you today. There is hope for us today. Because God ordained it before the foundations of the earth. And in Abraham's covenant, we are beginning to see the glimpse. Because God calls Abraham from the blues. Abraham did not deserve to be called at all. And it's interesting that even though God called him, Abraham made a lot of mistakes. And some of you right now, you think you have blown it and so God is not going to bless you. No. You are covered. You are covered by Jesus. You are, you are in a covenant that favors you so highly because God does not look at your behavior and then blesses you and say, oh, today you have, you have, you have your, your devotion, today you have done that, and therefore you deserve this and this and that. No. He looks at Jesus. And because you are in Jesus, the blessing is yours. It doesn't mean that we now live anyhow. We live in sin and so on and so forth. No. Sin has got its consequences. We're going to talk about that. It's foolishness to live in sin. Like I said last, last, last week, uh, we're talking about this. I'll close with this and then we pray. The story about 10 million. 
But if you suddenly know that you've got 10 million in your account right now, 10 million US dollars, you'll change even your sitting position right now. Just that knowledge. And you begin to sift some friends, you begin to say, this one is not my friend. This one is not my friend. That one is my friend. Why? Because that knowledge, it helps you to put order in your life. And this is what I'm giving you. It helps you to put order in your life. When you know how much God loves you and how much God has blessed you, you will not live in sin. You will not entertain sin at all. You will realize that I am too precious to be down there. I can't be down there. I'm supposed to be up here with royalty because I'm a child of the most high God. But if you think you're still in the old covenant where behavior plays a part, you're in trouble. Behavior plays a part in the sense that seed time and harvest time comes. So your behavior is a seed. But it's just a principle that God set in motion. God is not involved in the, in the, seed, in the harvest, sowing seed and harvest. Did you know that? God does not tell you what seeds to sow. You make your own decision. You make your own choices. That's a seed that you're sowing. And when that harvest comes, don't begin to say, but God, what's happening? Check your seed. Hallelujah. Check your seed. If you've been sowing bad seed, you'll have bad harvest. But the same principle works for your redemption. You can change the seed that you're sowing from today, and guess what? In time, you'll begin to have good harvest. So don't, let's not mix the blessing of God coming from the covenant and the seed time harvest. You have got control over the seeds that you sow. But concerning the covenant, the decision was already made. It has to be in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. And we're going to do that right now. It's not about your sins. It's not about where you're coming from. It's not about your failures. It's not about your frustrations. It's all about Jesus. In fact, it's the irony is that when you are in sin, that's when you... Meet God most. And the Bible says, approach him with boldness. Which means we don't go to God in the name of ourselves. We go to God in the name of Jesus. As I pray right now, I just encourage you. From, day, from today, make it a point. Don't look to yourself. Just look to Jesus. Don't look to what you have done wrong and what you have done right. No. Look at Jesus and the right that you're supposed to do. You will find that the wrong that you've been doing, you will stop doing it. Because you will always go and gravitate towards your point of focus. If your life is centered around avoiding sin, you'll be sinning a lot. Because all you're seeing is sin. I went together. But if your life is focused around doing good, you'll be looking for good and not looking for bad to avoid. But when you're looking for good, for good by default, you're avoiding the bad. And that's the life of grace that is God has called us to. As I pray right now, I just sense that uh, I need to focus on at least one thing. Abraham waited for 25 years for the promise to become a reality. Some of you here, you may have waited for a long time for your promise to become a reality. But God has told me that as grace through faith, we are going to be a church. We are a church of testimonies where we are seeing the blessing manifesting in physical reality. 
We don't just talk about the blessing, we will be the walking blessing. People will know and begin to say, is this the couple, is this the woman, is this the man that I used to know? Because it is the doing of the Lord. Abraham waited 25 years because he was working on his faith until it was perfect faith. We don't have to wait for 25 years because we now leech onto the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith of God. You can believe God for that winter season to stop. You can believe God for that dry season to stop right now in Jesus' name. And as I pray and you feel that, you know, God is speaking to you, just lift up your hand and when I see you, put it down and I will include you in this prayer in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of love. You are the God of grace. You are the God of mercy. You had mercy upon our lives, O oh God. That's why you did not give Adam the burden of salvation. But Lord, you carried it on your own shoulders, on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. That Lord, as we believe in him, we have life and we have it in abundance. And I thank you this afternoon, Lord, as we continue, Lord, to unfold the mystery of the covenants of God. That Lord, in the Abrahamic covenant, Lord, there's something hidden that we need to see, my God. That Lord, you called Adam unconditionally, oh God. You called Abraham unconditionally and undeservedly because it is the grace of God. There are people under the sound of my voice right now. They think they don't deserve to be called by God. They don't deserve to be blessed by God. They don't deserve to serve God because they have messed up their lives or things are, are out of whack. But I thank you that you are calling them even right now. I thank you, Lord, that you love them much more now than before because they are your children. And I just pray, Lord, for that veil to be lifted off. I, I, I command that veil, that blindness, the scales to come off our eyes, that we begin to see that we are blessed beyond measure. And that if God is for us, who can be against us? I thank you, Father. That Abraham's blessings are ours. But this blessing, they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac. But I pray, I decree this afternoon, that we're not going to wait 25 years. The promises that are on our minds right now, they are happening even right now in Jesus' name. They are manifesting right now in the name of Jesus. And in Moses, we say, you are not part of our lives. Sickness, you are not part of our lives. Failure, you are not part of our lives. Frustration, you are not part of our lives. Depression, you are not part of our lives. We are children of the Most High God. We walk in the power of God. We walk in the fruit of the Spirit of God. The joy of the Lord is our strength in the name of Jesus. Yes, I speak the boundaries to fall in pleasant place in your life in the name of Jesus. Concerning your family. Yes, concerning your work situation. Concerning your business. And even concerning this church, my God. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, for more joy in families. I thank you, my God. Yes, Lord, for unity in families, for agreement in families. Yes, I thank you, my God, for refreshment, my God, in families, in the name of Jesus. The enemy who comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, we cancel his power. We nullify his, his, his effort in our lives because of what Jesus Christ did. This is the benefit. This is our benefit from the cross. From, 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 from the covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father. I give you praise. And Lord, we, will, we continue to thank you 
for this church. We thank you for grace through faith, my God. That it is by grace through faith, O oh Lord. It's not of works, my Lord. And we are waiting to see, yes, Lord, the salvation of the Lord. We are waiting to see the move of God. And we thank you for this day. We celebrate Jesus and we celebrate those that are with us today. And I release your blessing upon every one of them. I release blessing upon their family. I release the blessing of God that maketh the rich and bring no sorrow in it. That even this week, my God, it is going to be a week of testimonies. It is a week of breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. As they rise up even in the morning tomorrow, they will say, thank you, my God, for this new week. Thank you, my Lord, for this new day. We're going to do mighty exploits to the glory of God. I give you praise and I magnify your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Amen. Powerful message. Amen.